Francis Killigrew. You have been brought up out of the jail to be killed by smothering. Your crime is heresy. You're filthy and manacled. You're in your shirt and stockings. You're pretty sure that the man in the cell opposite you died last night. He certainly smelled that way. And now there are five of you being brought up out now into the beginning of the day. It's a fine late October day. October the 30th, 1592. You're all looking sorry and disheveled. Uh, there's an African fellow in stockings, a woman. Her long, fair hair is matted, darkened. She wears a shift and you suspect nothing else. She's young and beneath the dirt you see she's beautiful. There are two other men there, each in their shirt and stockings. One who has the air of a working man about him, might possibly have been found in the London streets. What, is, what does he look like? He's, he's very stocky with a sort of, what you might have called, well, depending on the area you're from, a puddock face. Puddock meaning toad. He's got quite a, quite a toady face. Got sort of hanging down jowls. And he's got sort of very big eyes that seem that they might be full of emotion were he in a situation where he could flash to one or the other. And, uh, yeah, a shock of sort of dark black hair. There's a, there's a man stood next to him who has a natural quality about his movements uh, that makes you think that he knows the country as well as the town. What does he look like? He's almost spherical. He is both short and broad. From crown to toe is the same width as elbow to elbow. His nightshirt hangs on him like a billowing sail. His pate is bald, but wispy hairs are matted down at the sides, uh, his grey hairs, as if he's accustomed to wearing some kind of thick felt hat. He also sports an enormous beard, a big white forked beard that curls up under his armpits, occluding his pendulous male breasts. Killigrew, there's an image that you have in your mind of how you looked before you arrived at this parlour state. What would be the distinguishing features for the other two to notice? Even in my dishevelled state, I try to um, make my appearance as uh, respectable as possible. They probably notice my collar of my shirt done up as high as it can go, and my cuffs are done down to pulled down close to my hands. It looks like once it was a very fine shirt. I walk somewhat stiffly, and the, there's a, a beard that looks like it was once well kept, maybe a little goatee with the, the stubble that's grown in around it, obviously with the time in the cells, but still it looks like I've somehow managed to keep it brushed. Um, and if you'll, if you'll permit me, Francis Killigrew thinks to himself, mm, this pair of doughy fools will test the hangman's wit. <laughs> the Apocalypse Players present All Hallows Tide, or Much Ado About Lead Lining, a de-sanctioned scenario by Joseph Chance. Dedicated to the honourable author of said de-sanction, Mr. Paul Boldowski. The cast of players. Dan Wheeler 
as Francis Killigrew, gentleman courtier and reader of the De Principibus et Regibus de Moniorum, a lean and hungry sort. Danan Macalier as Alexander Sparrow, clerk of the temple, student of the Voynich manuscript, a puddock-faced man. Dominic Allen as Squally Chase, caretaker, handcraft practitioner, upstart member of the radical movement Compagnonage, spherical as a dwarf. And Joseph Chance as diverse and sundry others, be they natural or supernatural. Act One. A square, a brook. So the way this works, guys, is the two boring lords start the Shakespearean play. Mm. One of you comes on with news, uh, the other one receives it, and then you have to be as boring as possible. I'm good at that. Within your Shakespearean, your perfect Shakespearean iambic. I'm bad at this when Shakespeare's written it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> They're two boring lords, and we are who? We're going to be two sensitive boys by a brook or stream. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> sensitive boys. <laughs> but we're, we are going to be the response to theirs. So they're going to start, but no pressure, guys, because it's the two boring lords start all the plays, right? One of you brings news, the other one responds, but be as boring as possible. Remember, line- lineology is always interesting, particularly. Okay, uh, Dan, where are they? They are in uh, Oxford, in a town square. The town, the town square in Oxford, and I will tell you that it is night. Sound alarm. Hast thou, within thy broken, sweaty box, received the news that King O'Merle is dead? Thou speakest false, knave, for I have spoke with one who saw him last at... Um, at, at Michaelmas. Oh, Michaelmas. <laughs> I just passed. At Michaelmas, thou sayest, thy news is old, and I shall tell thee tales that thou hast not heard, for the time in which we must commune in sea, Cret doth approach, and Regency has fallen. Thou must speakest soft, for tis, for tis treachery to speak of one's death who is not yet crowned, but who may be yet in this full moon adorned with golden hats. It's, it's all get a bit interesting, isn't it? I think we need to be considerably more boring. So we've got golden hats, we know there's Regency, someone's oh, yes. going to die, someone's like... Come, you, you tell me, aunt... The, the nature of this tale, and I will tell thee a story. A story of a man who, two days, two days gone, was but a beggar to a prince who, it seemed, was no prince at all, but instead one of the common sort, who had but dressed himself in purple hose. <laughs> Oh, good, good. Details of clothing. Mm, oh, this, this shows potential. This shows potential for true boringness. Let's have some details of clothing from Alexander Sparrow. Your, your toes are broken. Oh, please. Oh. No, lay on. <laughs> oh, broken lines. Your toes are broken hose. I do not care. For in my head, a grey old moss is spent in hearing of these 
awful, tepid woes. And in the storytelling, I have bored myself. <laughs> That's uh, what you call a, a feminine ending, so you can carry on. <laughs> but I have just but supped the stimulant of my tale, and I get stronger and thicker in the telling. What ho within, enough of this good <laughs> smut. I hear the regent does approach, no more. Uh, a drum, a drum! Uh, within. A drum, exactly. So, two, two sensitive boys, where are we? You are near, you are at a brook that stands in the shadow of the Oxford gibbet. Ooh. Brook that stands within the shadow of the Oxford gibbet. It's Halloween after all. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's right. That's perfect. Do we need anything else? Or is that enough for you, Dan? Are we picking up on what they've been talking about? In theory, we are. We can use anything they've used. The reason was dead. Hmm. Yeah. I hear that fat old king has shat his last. <laughs> Why, shat his last? Oh, to speak of last, or first, or nearest, all the more. Oh, goodly nuncle. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Sweet Bob. Speak on. I look upon that gibbet standing there and wonder if my time might come one day to dangle from that rope. Oh, I do fear it. Tell me that a happier end awaits. Why, the happiest end of all. For see, though Regency has banished us here and this long shadow of the gibbet seeks to hold some deadly purpose for our future yet so we good nuncle bob i we shall trade our places and become as that fine trout that trickles o'er the stream and swim as free as silver scaled beast <laughs> but soft dost thou hear now the cock crow why speakest thou of trouts and cockerels crowing <laughs> when we stand here beneath the rope that might bring forth the end of you and I, of everyone we know, I, parents, friends, all neighbours, royals, lords, uh, and common peasants too. A classic manoeuvre. And even sheep. <laughs> <laughs> All creatures, great and small, will have an end. And many of them end upon that rope. This is the famous speech. Uh, All creatures have an end. The next six lines conclude it, which will finish with a resounding final couplet. Can't wait. But when the sun rose <laughs> lively on this morn, I did not think... I would be thinking on <laughs> the dreadful end that comes to every life, <laughs> especially not with you, my trusty friend. But tell me now, you must, why beggest thou of me to think of death? <laughs> <laughs> 
not push the plow? Oh, it was a question. A question, and we were interrupted. Thinkest thou push the plow? It's, a, it's one of his late plays. <laughs> <laughs> or very, very early. Avant-garde stuff. Uh, or possibly very early. <laughs> you can never tell. Act two. Tyburn. So you are close to Tyburn. You're at Tyburn House. You've been brought up from the cells beneath. And a crowd is gathering for the day's spectacle. You hear the sound of drum and fife and tabor taken up just outside the walls. Uh, And you can hear the clapping of hands. You can smell the cooking of pork. Uh, And it's enough to make your stomach turn. Indeed, um, a line of other prisoners stands on the courtyard steps leading up and out to the house itself, uh, to the killing platforms. Uh, Their despondency is absolutely clear uh, and made all the more actual by the fact that they have voided fluids here and there and you can, mixed with the sweet pork and apple, uh, uh, with the cries and songs of those enjoying themselves and awaiting the entertainments outside, you can smell the shit and the piss and the vomit and the blood that is slick on the floor around you. There's some scattered straw here and there, and a whole stack more kept up in a corner of the courtyard. Some tired and uh, watchful soldiers uh, stand around, uh, some armed with flintlocks, others with halberds. Some, Some of these soldiers begin to move a few stragglers up the steps, and you get the dreadful tightening in your stomach as the five of you are pushed into line, moving towards the bottom of those steps. And just as you're you're being shoved that little bit harder, a prayer begins to rise. Uh, it's it's soft, but it, it reaches you over the uh, over the sounds of cries and uh, the the mournful weeping uh, and the and then the general crowd beyond the gates. You think your own bowel is about to protest against the steps. And just as your mind rises to the flag, Killigrew, this is you really, I suppose. Well, all three of you. Just as before your mind reaches up to the flag of brightening sky above. Just as you realise that you really do not wish to die and you would do anything. You'd avoid it at any cost. A hand roughly grabs your arm and pulls you out of line. All three of you, plus the African man and the woman. And you're led away to a door. And what follows is more like a dream than any other in your life. There are steps, corridors, rooms. There's a door to a stairwell down. You can hear the others still behind you, but you're at the front. There's a passageway and then a tunnel, rough hewn underneath. You must be you must be passing beneath the park down towards the river. You can smell the river, then a bag is put over your head. You're separated. You're shoved. You stumble. You graze your knee. You fall. You're pulled back up again. Then there are wooden floors under your under your stockings, now practically bare feet. And the bag is pulled from your head. There's candlelight. A plain room. Killigrew, it's you. And opposite you, leaning 
on a table with a nonchalant air is a handsome man with a lean face, lines running from his cheeks down to his chin. He must, he must be a- an ancient in his 40s. Um, and he has a, has a sort of playful smile on his lips and these very cold, grey-blue eyes. Very neatly kept beard. He wears a rich, black, expensive doublet and breeches, and a, and a stark white ruff. He carries a dagger. It's, it's nicely adorned, but it's a practical-looking item. And you are you are sure that there's a guard standing behind you. You're still manacled. You feel the weight of your manacles on your wrists. And he uh, he says to you, "My name is Richard Gage." I work for a lord of this realm, and he in turn works for the queen. I look for men like you, men who wish to live at any cost. My master could use a man like you. We have a little task in mind. And then he stands up and he he takes out from a pouch a little scrivener's knife, a a tiny thing really um, and he sort of shows it to you takes a step back away from the table and then tosses it onto the table where you see uh, a contract laid out in on fine vellum already written but unsigned you can see no ink and he gestures to the table and says what say you well I can't see how this day could get any worse I presume you want this signed in blood, hmm? that kind of thing? Very fitting. He raises an eyebrow. The, the smile increases, but his eyes are still cold. I, I, I return uh, an identical sort of uh, mirthless smile. <laughs> As you do that, um, you begin to realise that the shadows behind him seem to be deepening. And in the corner of the room... An inky blackness, ironically, seems to be swelling slightly, and you could swear for a moment that you see coiling like smoke, thick black smoke, a tendril working into a circle. And then it's gone. I am... I sort of involuntarily clasp my hand to my, my collar, pull it tight around my neck, and then I walk boldly to the table, sit down without another word, um, slice my forefinger and sign my name with, with, my, with the blood coming out of the tip of my finger. When you are finally released from your cell, uh, there are two men standing outside you recognise. They're now dressed in their own cleaned clothes, perhaps the first time they've been cleaned for some while, Uh, as you yourself stand in your own clean clothes. Uh, There is a fourth man present. He's a broad-shouldered, tall, dark-haired man with a dark beard. He gives the impression of being somewhat like a horse trader. Um, He has a stout cane and a leather jacket. Leather jack. The two previously forlorn fellows look as if they've been through something of an ordeal. 
They may even be bandaged. Uh, and Lord knows what they've experienced in, in their um, encounters. And perhaps we shall find out. Uh, but uh, there's no sign of the woman or the African gentleman. Uh, your belongings, such as they are, uh, such as they were when you were taken, are returned to you. And then the four of you uh, are shown out of the side gate of Tyburn House. Uh, the execution's now over. Uh, it is late morning. You are shown to uh, a, a coach, let us call it. Although the wheels are good. The, um, the carriage itself is nothing, nothing much to speak of. And uh, there are two men, uh, uh, one clearly uh, an experienced coachman, and the other, you suspect, security. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, this uh, a broad, ugly-looking fellow who also has a stout cudgel. Um, uh, the, the horse trader fellow wordlessly opens the carriage door and uh, offers for the three of you to enter in. I bundle in immediately. Hey, right, it's cosy in here. <laughs> I have not experienced quality upholstery such as this for many a night. And uh, I, as he bundles in, I, I say, not quite quiet enough so he doesn't hear, no, by all means, after you, age before beauty. Off you go, then. You better let the other gentleman on after you, then, had you not. <laughs> For he is, uh, for he is clearly younger. Killigrew, are you waiting for um, uh, the other gentleman to enter, or are you? Uh... Um, yes, yeah, I, do, I will. I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll turn to him and say, please, um, oh, 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 please be my guest. I, I, um, I can wait to share a carriage with um, two such beautifully scented individuals as yourselves. But not wait without protestation, it seems. Come, sirs. <laughs> we have kept this inexperienced coachman waiting long enough. <laughs> S -S Sparrow, what is your... Uh, uh, will, you, will you defer or will you uh, enter into the carriage? I'm just going to wait for him. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, so he's not, he's not moving? No, he does not move. I say, well, time waits for no man. And I... I Hop in, and I and I stick my head out the window and say, "Are you coming then, or should we just leave you standing there in the street?" I should say you do have to hop in because once I get in and sit on the other side, the entire coach <laughs> kind of creaks right. into a diagonal. I mean, it's it's <laughs> the, spring, the, the springs back in fifteen ninety two. Springed coaches are, are not really a thing, yeah. so it just it just leans. I uh, I see it, and I, I have immediate flashbacks to a, a galleon leaning in a, in a sea storm and I, I immediately grab the side to try and weight it down and then sort of make my way gradually up and sit in there, sit in there. And I do resemble a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and the weight is being proved. Um, uh, as the man gets on, Killigrew, uh, you're, you're left at this sort of, it's a, it's, it really is just a sort of canvassed pullback uh, drawstring uh, windowlet. Um, there's no glass there or anything like that. It's, uh, it really is very basic. And the top is just pulled canvas. Um, there are sort of structures to keep it in place, but it'll keep the rain off in the snow, should it come. 
but you're left there, and you see standing in that side entrance the solemn figure uh, of Richard Gage, the last of the of the players, and uh, uh, the the flautists, the timbrel players, are leaving the uh, the killing grounds, striking up another a last little tune, which which gives it a sort of merry a merry aspect that you never thought you would see again. And you realize as you look at Gage, the three of you in this carriage are marked by death. If you could make a note on your character sheets, all three of you, you are marked by death. But as you think that, Killigrew, you hear a high, sweet, clear singing voice. Sweeter than any you have heard raised in song before. And you gain one fortune. Just me? Just you. Wow. I cannot abide music, for it always seems to hold a sarcastic tone to me. <laughs> Very true. And to me also. There is something... Rumpy-pumpy about it. Well, I, I might have used a different word. Uh, I was thinking frivolous about the way people play, create music and art when the end will come to us all. But it was more than rumpy-pumpy-tumpy-tum. It mocks me, sir. Well, I can't imagine it's the first or last thing to mock you. But it seems although the end will come to us all, it won't be coming to us today. It strikes me that no one would have wasted time washing your clothes, the pair of you, if they planned to put you to death 24 hours later. They cannot predict falling into a river. Well, no man can. I was, uh, I was reluctant to learn the names of my fellow damned men, but now it seems we're going to be trapped in this carriage together and perhaps put to use. Might I ask your name? I'm Squally Chase of the County Borough of Dudley. Squally Chase? What a colourful name. I'm uh, Francis Killigrew. And where do you hail from, sir? I hail from the good city of Canterbury. Oh, Canterbury. Does every Canterbury's compliments come off as an insult? <laughs> no, no. Just yours, then. Only the wisest. <laughs> and what about your, uh, your toady friend over there? You can call me Mr Toad. <laughs> poop poop, driver. Poop poop, another colourful name. <clears throat> Squally Chase and Poop Poop. Uh, the the fourth space um, stands empty, uh, but uh, leaping off the side step and in through the door, such as it is, comes the burly-looking uh, fellow, handsome but burly-looking horse dealer, um, and he squeezes you, Killigrew, over to one side and says, Well met! Well met! And then he, he uses his cane and thumps the the um the spar that holds up the so it's not really the roof but it's the one piece of wood up above and he goes to norwich my friends where all dead men walking should ride bloody hell it took the words out of my mouth take me back to Tymon. <laughs> yeah take me back to colchester i once was on a coach from worcester to lemington spa Christ. And that was enough to saw me bum. But to go from London to Norwich, 
Why, we will not walk in Norwich, Sirius. We will waddle. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I don't believe you could do anything else. <laughs> Squally. Better that we should waddle than we should caper, eh? And he, and he nudges Killigrew in the ribs hard. Ooh. If I had known we were bound for Norwich, I would have spent a shilling and bought a cushion. Old bands for Norwich, I'd fucking bribe the hangman to do me first. <laughs> and if I'd known we were going to Norwich, I would have brought my sister. Hey, hey! <laughs> I like this guy. And he bounces a rhythm on the uh, on the floor of the carriage. Would you call that a samba? Bossa nova. Then I fart loudly and long. Act three, the road to Norwich. The man leans forward after some minutes of travel, believe it or not, in silence, as you were considering the nature of your close brush with death. Yeah. And he says, so fellows, you are to pretend. That is the truth of it. You must pretend you are at your lowest point of fortune and that I, William Gatehouse, Esquire, am your friend. For until this morning, you had no notion of me. You've never met me. And yet now, we must give the semblance of our friendship. You are to act the part and be a shrewd judge of my character, for you are to pretend you have known me for some years and that we have spoken now and then over ale and of uh, a fellowship that I have brought to your attentions that we call the goodly servants of light. Mm. Indeed. You have never asked questions more of me on this matter, and I have not inquired that you do so. You are to think I am a member of this heretical band. Oh. Could you all roll intellectual? Mm. Which is your resource die that you find under the intellectual. Five for me. A five for Chase. A six for me. A six. Two, which I think is a, a fumble, but a, what do they call it? A cock-up. What is it called? A f- a f- a f- it is called something like a fumble. A falter. A falter. A falter. Um, so I'm going to deal with, the s- actually, the five first. You've, you've heard the term. You've heard of the goodly servants of light. And you have an interest because uh, you're, you, you're fairly sure... You're fairly sure you remember now, yes. Once you were, you were on a path by the Seven as a young man and you stumbled on some old brick ruins um, uh, 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 along the line of uh, um, what, you, what you and your folk around those parts knew to be the old Roman places. Um, and at the, at the goodly servants of light, you, you see for a moment that... The, the remnant of that villa, mostly just earthworks. Uh, and you remember something about they had geomantic inquiries, buildings that had been placed upon certain locations within the country. Now, six, Francis Killigrew, a house rule that I'm going to introduce just to sort of vary the die, because obviously, you know, there's a sort of straight pass or there's this falter hmm. whereby you still pass. But, but a consequence occurs. Um, but a six I'm going to celebrate. I shall give you this. You 
sense around the lines of the carriage for the first time with the mention of this the goodly servants of light you see the corners yet again and how dark they are it's a fine day on the 30th of October Mm. and you feel the drawing darkness of those corners as if a shadow lives in them And and then the sensation is gone it's fleeting but you're very aware of the geometric lines of the uh, of the structure that you are in. A sparrow. Mm. Wasn't it Tom Gore? Wasn't it Tom Gore who spoke to you at the Inns of Court about the goodly servants of light? It was. It was. Tom knew Thaddeus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hanged himself last Christmas, did he not? Oh, he did, yeah. You, you, uh, a touch of the melancholy. Oh, I know. It comes across me like a, like a delicate wave on the edge of a, a small pond, and I, I begin to weep from my left eye. Just the left. Just the left. I save the right. You see that he's unsettled. The the other two, you notice it. Mm. Uh, it was at the mere mention of the goodly servants of light. Fear not, Master Sparrow. Pretending is an easy thing. I've worked for a master and mistress looking after their house for, well, donkey's years. And let me tell you, I always smiled at her ladyship, even though she was a total cunt. Oh, right. It is no difficult thing. Yeah, well, we've all had to done that in our time, I suppose. I sort of wiped the tear away, realise I'm in company. No, she was a proper cunt. Oh, really? I, I sort of turn a, a glance towards Killigrew. Uh, no, believe me, we have all had to deal with that. Some of us have been at court. Oh, right, yeah. You've seen a few of them, then. You shall all have cause to call upon your pasts for this, our near future. Aye. That's why, that's why we've been chosen, fellows. For we have all been chosen. And he smiles wryly, and he gives you a wink. Huh, yeah. And true... Let us say that you've never been a great friend of William Gatehouse, but he's always been a close associate of yours. He's often known things that others don't. He doesn't take uh, risks unnecessarily. He doesn't like hard work either. And regardless of his obvious self-deceptions, he's uh, uh, a chap you've always liked, a fellow you've always liked. And when he told you to meet him at the Wood's End in Bramerton, outside Norwich, you did so. When he told you that you could make 15 shillings just by turning up to the church, however fancy you may present as, you needed that 15 shillings for the debts, the creditors. You know the sort. Aye. And he said that he needed someone to go to a church and watch over a fellow working in it. Mm. You felt that you should be master of the moment. And then he told you that you could double or triple the sum merely for stripping a roof. Aye. Well, this sounds like a labour that you cannot refuse, does it not? Aye, it does. And you are to pretend that you know nothing more. Well, I mean, it it won't be hard to pretend we know nothing more. Because we don't. The challenge would be to pretend that we know nothing less. Well said, Mr. Killigrew. Well said. 
Mr. Clubhouse got us all for for the same reason, did he? We got to strip the uh, strip the roof, look after the place. Mr. Clubhouse, <laughs> I am William Gatehouse, Mr. Sparrow, <laughs> and I have brought you in on the business. And by your curious way of referring to yourself in the third person, I can see that you're keen to imprint yourself on our minds as if you might be some person of some importance. I only meant it in jest. Course, course, will up yet. Yeah. He he smiles very broadly. He, for the first time, he 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 pulls the curtain aside and looks out of the window. We are to be hired by a man named Sebastian Locke. Locke is a minor architect of the goodly servants of light and is to be humoured in his ambitions this, well, tomorrow, All Hallows' Eve. It is my belief that Locke's true purpose is, no doubt, to uncover some heretical relic or secret object held or hidden within the church. I'm unsure what it is, and before you ask, I have not been told, so think no more interrogation on the point. I am under instruction to assist Locke in the finding, then ensure that that same finding is taken to London and to Mr. Gage, and finally held in the hands of our mysterious lord and goodly benefactor, and indeed the legislative holder of all of our death marks, my fellows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong there. For the first time, his eyes go very, very uh, black. So he holds you in bond as well, does he, sir? They say it is not the common practice, for we, in this goodly game to speak of such things but I would have you trust me as far as you dare well be open with us sir and I'm sure you will garner our trust what manner of crime should we uh, associate with you murder perhaps heresy as indeed for the three of thee oh everyone's that I was hoping for something saucier bonking out of wedlock or so. <laughs> <laughs> Why I trade in horses, of course I have laid low as many and be married as I may. With your horses? Mm. He, he grips his cudgel. He sat next to you. Grips his cudgel, eh? Mm. Gives it a tug. And his knuckles go white. Mm, I bet they do. And he smacks you in the face with it. <laughs> and you're dead. <laughs> Because you did more naughty metagaming joking. I'm going to punish you for that. So, could you roll a physical? Yeah. At, a, at two steps down. He's like an adder striking from the grass. So, it's a fail. Um, so, you've, you've taken a bruising as a consequence, um, uh, which means uh, you ache. And uh, any physical activity that is undertaken in this journey will be done <laughs> at a step down. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, I think you're the one who's <laughs> going to struggle pretending to be friends, mate. <laughs> Way before you even say that, brilliant as that is, Squatty Chase, he says, Oh, forgive me, forgive me, my dear man. Oh, 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 Walter, Walter, drive more steadily. And for a split second, you almost believe him. And then you, you're absolutely sure he did it deliberately. Um, may I check? Do I lose a hit as well, or do I no, just take? No. So I just write bruising. You just bruised. bruised. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, Daniel Wheeler as Francis Killigrew, who played beautifully the meta game, and I loved it. Um, 
uh, it will be healed with rest. Therefore, <laughs> feel free not to write it down, for I shan't push you upon the point. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd, as he hits me and he gives me this excuse that I know isn't a real excuse, I'd turn back to him and say, um, I thank you for that gift. It might not occur to you that not all of us feel beholden to the person who dragged us away from the gallows. <laughs> I don't feel like I want to spend the rest of my life in, in servitude. Every minute is a gift. We are but ghosts. Already I've lived longer than my fate decreed. You feel a, a warm sensation, pardon the expression, just by your heart, a tightening, as if you're betraying something pure and simple, and you hear a rich, high, sonorous voice, the clearest voice you've ever heard singing, and you, and you feel how petty your statement is amongst these men, all of whom are marked by death, just as you are. Yes, you're right. Intellectually, you are right. And you have been your own self. But you feel suddenly this intense bond between all four of you, not just the other two. It is most intense with Chase and Sparrow. But you feel a sort of, even with the, the blow that you've received, you, you, you just feel it around your pap I that left pap these npcs haven't played with us before they don't know what they're getting themselves into <laughs> he's going to be dead he's going to be dead in an hour <laughs> you gentlemen have not played with sir john d oh that's very true <laughs> this is very true do i catch a sight of this the sort of uh, the hit and everything i imagine with yeah yeah you, you the two of you saw it all and you're sure it was deliberate yeah but he's he's a good he's a good actor yeah because he's made it 100 percent clear that it was but he's also sort of declared to you all, ah, oh, it's just an accident. I'm more interested in seeing whether or not he has been accepted in that explanation. I'm more interested in what Dan's character and what uh, Killigrew thinks. Killigrew? Uh, I think Killigrew is um, putting on a brave face, but that really fucking hurt. Yeah. He's, uh, he's all mouth and no trousers, is what you interpret from his reaction to that. He looks... Humbled. In which case, I think I just start, um, I start carousing, not in a sort of like aggressive way, but in a sort of, uh, I just start <laughs> muttering this sort of uh, rhyme under my breath. Uh, Has anybody seen my cock? My big Rhode Island red. He's tall and pink with a little bit of blue and purple on his head. He stands straight up in the morning <laughs> and gives my wife a shock. Has anybody seen, anybody seen, anybody, anybody seen my cock? And I imagine everyone starts to sing it in a round. I'm just trying to uh, lighten the mood. Cock, 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 red. Have you seen it engorged head? Oh, Has anybody seen my cock? Has anybody seen my cock? Has anybody seen my cock? Has anybody seen my anybody seen my cock? Red. Um, he gets out out of his bag. He he carries a, a leather bag, um, and he gets out of his bag a, a bottle of Rhenish, not not too watered down, and some wooden cups. And he pours, uh, and he leaves the last for you, Killigrew, um, and uh, he pours a half cup of Rhenish, and then he takes out a little flask, 
and just puts a little brandy in it and says, there, for your feelings. It's kind of you to assume I have any. And you do find it does um, lift your spirits somewhat. Much obliged. Oh, bollocks, have spilt it down me front. That'll leave a mark. <laughs> so some, t- some time goes by. There's some singing. There's some, there's some knowledge that you've escaped death. And although I think it's fair to say, Killigrew, you're reluctant uh, and there is an edge to it, uh, there is a warmth that spreads. And Sparrow and Chase, the same is for you. The melancholy disappears for you, Sparrow. Uh, and you f- you feel this warmth, and, and each of you feel it at your heart. Uh, this this glowing sense of uh, not just a bond, not just escape, but also the tragedy of of what is so close at any time is. Uh, and when you think about it, it could be revoked by a contract on a contract basis. And as the as the journey goes on, you realise wherever you go, if any of these people were to find you. You're a dead man again. It just takes the ripping up of the contract, and and your life is forfeit. Mm. At at some point, uh, that takes hold, and there's a sort of not sober aspect, but a sort of quieter aspect, and maybe some more wine is poured, um, and gatehouse goes on. I think perhaps in a slightly um, repentant tone, he suggests. Look then, for what it is worth, I know that the place that we go to is St. Theobald's. It was a Catholic chapel once favoured by Roger Bygood, or by God. The place itself is associated with uh, a Benedictine priory, St. Mary's. It's nearby in Bungie. I know not so much of the the theological uh, history of, of the chapel, but I do know that uh, it has an association with the cathedral and a, a, a canon uh, was, was given uh, status in the diocese to, to make use of the chapel. It was listed for the dissolution, of course, and the record shows less money was brought in than expected, notably a large discrepancy in lead roofing costs. Much of the roof remains, and as a friend of the good servants, as I am, I've been asked to secure men to strip that roof. Easy money, a share of which will be each man's. Once night falls, visitors to the graves will have gone, and superstition will keep latecomers away. For it is all hallows, and on the next, we remember all saints, those so many undone by the Romans. The place, I am told, only has a grave digger for watch. I'm more than able to keep him busy or drunk or both. And a sleeping draft shall do the rest for him. Well, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, complaining, obviously. I'll do whatever's needed, but this isn't uh, an official reclamation job where we're, we're nicking it. That's what you're saying. All right. All right. Just so I know where I stand. And we steal it for Locke, this Sebastian Locke. Yeah. Is he joining us at any point? He will. He shall. I believe he is the man who shall be doing the working in the church, That's whilst we, the roof, dispose. We nab the roof. Right. Right. Let's get on with it, then. Well, now, one thing more. There is a rumour, perhaps you've heard, so, of Bungie. What know ye of Bungie? 
Bungie. Could you all give me a supernatural check? Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, I've rolled a six. I have rolled a one. Oh, dear. I know nothing of these eastern Midland lands. I know of only hills and forests. None of this flat fen and bollocks. Well, it's not not a thousand miles from where I grew up. Give me mercy, none of these angles. Oh, I got a four. So two good um, passes. One, well, an excellent pass, solid pass, and a fail forward, a falter. Um, so the excellent pass, yes, black shuck, is what you instantly think of. Black shuck. Some 25 years back, St Mary's was struck by lightning. Uh, not the um, priory itself, but the church in the town of Bungie. You heard, you heard rumour of it. And since the lightning strike, there, have been, there has been tell of a black dog abroad, working the devil's purpose. A great beast, eight feet long and six foot tall, from paw to snout with eyes like burning saucers. Sounds more like a jaguar. Does it not? <laughs> eight, feet, eight feet tall, sounds like Rose Damien. Eight, eight in length, <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> oh, dear. Eight feet? <laughs> sounds more like a spider. <laughs> eight, eight feet in length. <laughs> so tall. Uh, but you've heard of it, um, uh, and yet you... you your knowledge of the area indicates... So this is heading Suffolk Woods, the Bungie. It's, it's down towards the border and Beckles. But um, you're sure that the sightings have, have, have been more towards St. Bennet's, which leads towards that hinterland of, of the eastern counties, uh, uh, the, the Broads. Uh, and St. Bennet's is famed, you know, and only you re- recollect this, as the last abbey of England. Sparrow, you are aware you are aware of Black Shuck, and you've heard the story that it's this massive black dog works the practices of the de- devil, and you heard that there was a lightning strike. Chase, you too have heard of this. But as but as it comes to mind, you think again of those ruins. And it is almost as if you realise there's something that you have made yourself forget in the in the sure and bowling progress of your journey through the countryside you've wiped this memory away but didn't you see a black figure standing in those ruins those roman ruins a ragged black figure like a child with golden eyes and then it's and then it just disappears i shake my head and look out the window and tut to myself you do indeed. Memories are but thoughts that we have had before. <laughs> do you say that out loud? Yeah. They are as inconsequential as a fart. Profound, Brother Chase. Would not expect such wisdom from... Well, never mind. You may whiff it again, but it does not mean that one has farted. Oh, and there it's gone. I to whiff it the more. <laughs> and then, as if providence demands it, I break wind loud and long. 
Christ. And I and then I and I and then I look at William Gatehouse and say, and I just tut, as if he'd done it. <laughs> oh, not silent but violent, a rarity. <laughs> Gatehouse guffaws <laughs> and slaps your thigh and and slaps Sparrow's thigh and then goes to slap Killigrew and then sort of realizes that's not. He's hit Killigrew enough. Um, uh, and then he says, but come now, come now, enough of this whiffing. Would that we were swiving. Once I have dealt with the caretaker, I shall report to Locke and observe upon his workings. This is my plan. Then one of you should make good show of lifting lead, and he sort of looks at the two burly, strong types opposite him. And one of us should supervise, I expect. Well, the other shall be best for catching. And that leaves you, and he points at you, Killigrew, or next to him, to be the watcher of the place, eh? I believe that will suit my skills very well. But use that time well. This looks like the borders of Bury ahead. The day has gone quickly enough. But you are approaching Bury St Edmund, which will be the end of your first day's journey. For in realistic terms, no one travels to Norwich in a single day from Tyburn. <laughs> I think I might, um, I might turn to Francis and just say, uh, well, you must be good at catching. Might be the harder work lifting up those uh, slabs, but it's, uh, it's the more dangerous job catching them, not letting them split your skull. No, I agree, and, and I, I agree, and that's why I'm not planning to lift or catch. I'm just keeping an eye on proceedings as instructed. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought by catcher he meant an actual practical job, so you're getting the same cut just for wandering around the graveyard looking posh. Like a dickless pig. Yeah. Useless. You're not wrong. Not to worry. Not to, to don't don't apologise for misunderstanding. I don't imagine it'll be the last time that happens. Uh-huh. It might be. You better hope I am good at catching, because even if I'm <laughs> the one catching, it could still twat you on the noggin. Don't forget that. <laughs> Fear not, Mr Sparrow and Mr Chase. Ah, uh, goodly Killigrew will no doubt be doing more than watching. Is that not the case? Yes, I suppose you want me to say yes. He might be sitting and all. Yeah, might be having a ham sandwich. I wish for them to be reassured of your purpose. No, of course. No, no, you, um, I, um, I remember that weird pain in my heart and I say, uh, suddenly uh, serious for once, I say, no, you, you speak true. I think it's, it's fit that we all pull our weight in this endeavour. Yeah, well, good. Good on you. Yeah. Mr uh, William, William Club Biscuit, whatever your name is. Was our Lord wrong in bringing you in this carriage? Can you remember a name? Hey, <laughs> listen, listen. It's the way I deal with these things, through humour, black bile humour, all right? All I want to know is, once we got the stuff, what are we doing? Are we transporting it on this carriage? Are we taking it back to the same city, or, like, what's the plan? We shall obey the nature of the play, the script. The traffic of the stage must be observed. We shall to Bramerton and to the Wood's End. There we will pick ourselves a more fitting cart. Right. The goodly driver and our friend shall be with us. 
I see. And then they shall leave us at an appointed time, and we shall on to meet our friend Locke, just before Seething. Excellent. That is the name of the village closest to St. Theobald's. Yeah. Seething on the Wold. Yeah, lovely. Well, we'll It's on the Loddon Road. The Wold isn't further north. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. My, my geography's all off once I get out of Essex. Well, now, we have a tavern here. Well, no, 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 tis not so much the case. We have a goodly house. Tis, tis arranged. Uh, and so in those days, the, 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 the houses were not actually public. They were privately run. So it, but it meant that you could kind of book rooms and, and stay and have um, reasonable fare. I only ask that a small fire be lit in the bedroom that I may dry my gusset. For I have sat in my own stew the entire journey. <laughs> what a smell. The evening meal comes around and you are at table together. Gatehouse spends some time with you, but then heads over to speak to the carter and the burly fellow. There's good ale brought to the table and, and fine chicken and bread uh, and peas and beans. Oh, yeah. More of this, please. Uh, Cheers. But this is your opportunity to consider your tradecraft, gentlemen. Let's hit the nub of what you'd like to choose. Yeah. Okay. And then we can we can celebrate what that is in in the next two hours traffic of our stage. Yeah. It feels to me that there's there's two that are jumping out at me. Yeah. Vigilance or conspiracy. Right. But if anyone else has got other ideas. Well, I mean, as far as we know, all we're here to do is take the slate off the roof and then uh, get rid of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Why would we need, uh, say, I guess, vigilance to not be spotted doing that? But conspiracy exactly, seems yeah. a bit off. Like, in, if we're working off what our characters would. <laughs> trying to stay true to what we know. Well, conspiracy in its broadest sense, you know. Um, as, as in, like, you know, all all being in on an illegal act together. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking either kit or access, because, you know, if uh, we might need specialised kit, we've, we've just come from Tyburn, we probably don't have that many tools with us. Maybe they bought tools, maybe kit's not out there, but, like, access... Yeah. There is no doubt in either of your minds from your engagement with Gage mm. that you are dealing with supernatural forces far beyond your ken. Yeah, okay. It feels like, um, certainly from my rudimentary grasp of the rules, that it feels like the tradecraft is likely to be more significant than just yeah. giving us a ladder so we can get up on the roof together. Yeah, ahead, totally, totally. For example. I think it's it's going to be something something that we sort of don't know we need, um, but feels like it might be in the region of what. That's why I was thinking vigilance because it's like well we're obviously doing something that's up to no good. Yeah, yeah. Conspiracy seems more like people who are involved in that world already. So it's like well we're we're already being bought here by someone who's got an agenda. Uh, Maybe I think vigilance is going to serve us best because yeah we're trying to do this surreptitiously right yeah and it feels like it's it feels like it might have quite broad reaching uh, uses mm. and I also 
you know, like I'm trying not to read anything on Joseph's, Joseph's face, but it feels like there's a chance that we've been given a little clue by saying, you know, one of you's got to keep watch. Yeah. The, the way I see it is if the choice is between vigilance and conspiracy, maybe it's not. But I think if, it, if we're talking about conspiracy, that means our suspicion is on the gentleman whose employ we're in. It might reveal something about that. But I think vigilance is probably the thing that will keep us safe or is more likely to keep us safe. I also think Killigrew thinking about that, thinking about Black Shuck, if there's if we're going to be out in the middle of the night with a, a hellhound on the loose, I'd like to see it coming. Mm. Yeah. Vigilance? I'm happy for yeah. vigilance. Yeah. At this stage, even if we found out we are the victim of a conspiracy, there's not a lot we can do about it anyway. Yeah. No. And also, as you say, Black Shuck, it's like... That's a, a terrifying sort of connection that mm. hopefully is not the case. But and if the conspiracy is to push is. one of us off the roof, then we'll see him coming, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So certainly your your excellent success, Killigrew, regarding um, sightings around St. Bennet's suggests it's a distance from Loddon and Bungie by some way. It's, 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 further, it's further north and east. Well, I need to be very vigilant then. So V for vigilance. Uh, The night passes, and in the morn you make for Bramerton, which is still a day's journey away, Uh, and therefore you have time to stop, you luncheon, uh, you have one last opportunity to purchase small items uh, from, from the Wyndham market, as a gentleman, you are permitted to carry a sword, Kinnegrew. The others are not legally permitted. I've got a knife. My my physical resource is so very poor that I, I kind of don't feel like that's going to help me and I might uh, be better off going down a different route along down the lines of um, concealment and just deception and something along those lines and i wonder whether i could you could buy a cloak yes i'd like to buy a cloak um a hooded cloak a, a black hooded an invisibility cloak please uh, and a, a cloak of invisibility <laughs> yeah gatehouse says i shall see what i can muster i have 10 shillings uh 10 shillings well this i can bill to our lord um and uh yeah, so he's got. He's going to get that. Uh, anyone else? Or um, are there any stores nearby that seem to be? Uh, well, probably not. But um, I was just wondering if there were any curiosities or sort of foreign currencies or stamps or anything like that. Probably not. That would be very esoteric. Uh, to, to, there's probably not enough time to go shopping in Wyndham. In that sense, you're sort of at a store. In that case, I'll just fill up on. Uh, Dry, harder cheeses. <laughs> Picking up some souvenirs for the family, are you, Sparrow? The, the harder cheese. I tell you what. I tell you what. Let's have. Let's you. You buy the. You buy the market stall. Let's have your luck. All let's right. Have a coin. Let's have a coin. A crown or cross. Now I'm assuming that your crown is your heads. Uh yeah. Well your, yeah. Cross your, would be tails, right? You calling heads or tails? Crown or cross? Cross. 
Tails, yeah. <laughs> uh, then you are lucky. There is there... I'll tell you exactly what there is there. The Six of Hearts. Ah. <laughs> there is a mask. There is an Italian-style mask. Don't put it on. Venetian. <laughs> uh, yes, you would say possibly Venetian, North Italian. Yeah, yeah. Um, Egyptian. Uh, and it's uh, it's yours for a shilling. Wait, it's, it's taken. And I shall cross that off my uh, my list of currency. Does it have any sort of, uh, what does the style look like? Is it just it's, a classic? It's dark red. It's dark red and it has a nose that comes out and then goes long. It's very long and kind of deep set eyes and high mm. cheeks. It's sort of like Cyril Sneer. It's tied with a ribbon. Yes, a lot like Cyril Sneer. So that sort of Ooh. sweep down. Right, right, right. Uh, but not, um, not um, uh, concertinaed. Not concertinaed. Uh, it is for the Commedia plays, it not the jaundiced king. Knowledge, yeah. Mr. Chase, knowledge. I think so, yeah. Uh, roll unravelling. <laughs> two steps down, no. <laughs> we had such players come to Dudley once and play the castle. I was not around, I was busy busy tending to her ladyship, but he said that three of the players went mad. Oh, I think they had been in their cups. Aye. Well, yeah, the players are always in cups, aren't they? Robert Boscombe battered one near to death. Did he? <laughs> he did not like the jokes. No, fair. Boscombe? I saw him play Tamburlaine, did I not? I don't know, I don't like plays neither. Music plays, which is all a mockery. He did a fantastic Yakimo. I mean, he wasn't meant to, he was, he was in Julius Caesar. I don't like plays, I saw... Falstaff once, and everyone said he looked like me. Was it that fellow Russell Simon Beale, something like that? How he tears the air! Oh no, not sir. But they did have a dog, which everyone was complimentary on. So, so that the dogs themselves might cry. But come now, we must away from Wyndham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tis pity for the Green Dragon is a fine house. Say, Chase, need you of uh, arrow or the like? I'm told that you have an eye. I've got two of them. He squares up and said, would that I might test myself against them. Yeah, all right, then I'll buy a bow and arrow. It's patriotic and all. Well... After all, let us not forget Agincourt, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, then tis done. I shall take a bow and arrow and some sort of heavy club, like a bat. He, he buys you a shillelagh as well. Perfect. Well, while everyone sh- while everyone is doing so much shopping, could I <laughs> could I see if I could um, f- find some sort of like maybe like a spyglass? Give us your coin, crown or cross. Crown. It is crown. Well played. Uh, there is indeed uh, a spyglass, not the best. I didn't want the best. And that will be. Hmm, you've done a good job there. I was going to say if it was high, it was going to cost, but you've you've gone low. Yeah, that'll be five shillings. Ooh, still expensive. Still expensive. Uh, but I got my cloak for. He he said that was paid That's, for. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, you've you've gone off piste for that. Fine, great, thanks. That's lovely. Uh, yeah, the glass isn't great, but it but it gives you something. Excellent, and presumably it's got night vision. Uh, <laughs> Not so much. But uh, the moon the moon seems full. To, uh, an almanac, a calendar, anyone? The moon does shine that night. If you're sure that the moon does shine tonight, and it seems, again, it's been very clear 
Um, there was there were cold days in, during your incarceration. Lord knows you remember too well. Um, but you leave Wyndham with a sense of uh, the uh, accoutrements supporting your journey. The moon is fat tonight, near fat as squally chase. Mm. He says as you approach Bramble. You what? And you switch carts. The woods end looks like a fine place. Uh, commands a view of the river and away across the rising fields, idyllic, bucolic, the gathered cows, the slight rise of Norwich. Ket's Hill can be seen. They say that Norfolk's flat. Not so much this part. Fucking stinks out, don't it? There is indeed the smell of pig. Inside and outside the carriage. The mucking, the mucking is all year round, it seems. Yes, great, great belching and farts um, uh, roll out of the carriage. But then you go to the cart and you realise what a luxury of a vehicle you've just been in. Uh, it's this open cart with a bag full of iron tools, such crows as may be needed for the purpose, uh, uh, in the back. Um, and a seriousness comes over you all, and you approach the crossroads at Loddon. The cart man gets off with his bully boy, and they nod at all four of you, and the reins are taken by Gatehouse, and he drives up ahead, and the three of you in the back. And a strange thing happens where you begin to nod Alexander Sparrow and it is as if you are in a dream the tunnel the bag the door the bag pulled off the scrivener's knife pulled out and Richard Gage is there before you you remember so well and he says what say you and you see there is no ink on the table are you to sign for your life with blood is that a legally binding contract, you think? Yeah. Well, I suppose you've, you've got me there. Whatever magics you've put over me. No magics here, yet. I simply offer you your life. In exchange for a task. No man can turn down that offer. What must I do? It is not for you to know yet. Right. Yeah, always the way. It is a test, Mr. Sparrow. Yeah. Well... Does the Voynich not test you? Aye. The Voynich tests me, all right. The Voynich tests me as much as any. His secrets are hidden to me, as they are to all of us. And I don't know that throwing my lot in with you will help that matter. To all of us? Are you so sure? Well, you show me the man who's deciphered those languages, those symbols, and I will show you a god of sorts. It is otherworldly. It is from another plane. Do you think that Sir John Dee does not have a light upon the Voynich? <sighs> Perhaps. Perhaps he does. And if he can shed light on it for me, well, I would, I would aid him in any manner I could. Do you try to bargain with me? Aye. <laughs> what else is a man to do in this situation? 
bargainings that we have. Bold. Look in your pocket. You swear that you had no pocket before. And, and just on your shirt at the midriff, there's a small white sewn up pocket with red thread. Well, I have no pocket, but I... Oh. Well, that's a weird place for a pocket. What, 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 what wizardry is this? What have you done? There's a key inside. You can feel it, even before you take it out. Do you take it out? Yeah, I think I do. I think for a moment I'm sort of struck by just the impression of it under the cloth. Your instincts just cannot resist. You look at it and you see a number on it. I see the number eight. And you think that he does not have a light on the Voynich. Will you sign, sir? Or must I send you back? I will. You, you may keep that. I will sign, sir. And the cart just wakes you up as it hits a, a, a divot on the road and you see the, the crossroads ahead. And you, feel, and you feel your hand on the key. And all three of you feel the burning sensation in your left breast of the bond between you. This cart is as hard and as rough as sitting on my missus. <laughs>